want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Dad, welcome to another edition of the show. It's Friday. It's November, but it's not just any Friday in November. It is the Friday after Novester, a holiday here in the James Gutman household for years at this point. I don't know how many years it's been, but seven, eight? I don't know. It's been a lot. We've been doing this every single year. But before we get into that real quick, I don't know if you guys found me on HighPodOnDad.com. If you did, good job. All the archives are there. That's where everything goes directly immediately after I post it. But you may have found me on any streaming service. I don't know what you use. I'm not in your house. I don't know what you're typing into your computer. I'm not spying on your your finger types. That's uh, that's Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I don't know. I don't accuse him. Sorry, Mark. Not please stop denying my Facebook ads. Um, but yeah, wherever you found me, whatever service you use, do me a favor. Like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever it takes, do that. I appreciate it. It means a lot. It helps out uh, with letting people know about the podcast and knowing that I'm here every single Friday. So I appreciate that. Thank you for all the support. Every Friday I'm here. Now, Novista. Let's talk about Novista. Now, if you listen to the show for years, this might be a rehash of things you already know. If not, it's pretty cool. Maybe, maybe you've heard it before and you're just kind of a forgetful person, in which case, let me remind you, No Vester is an annual tradition that began many years ago. My daughter was, I don't know, six, five, seven, whatever she was. It was very, very young. I'm thinking six, maybe. So maybe seven years ago. Either way, Veterans Day came up. And I was home with my kids. And we were bored. And we had nothing to do. However, I had just recently cleaned out the storage closet and found all the Easter stuff. You know, Easter baskets and Easter bonnets and eggs and things like that. So we decided to have an Easter egg hunt on Veterans Day. And we called it the No Easter Egg Hunt. And it became a tradition that we did every single year. We do this egg hunt. We would do just a kind of a celebration of No Easter. And over time it morphed. It became less about the egg hunt and more about this thing that we did called Will It, which we stole from Rhett and Link over at Good Mythical Morning, a show that we used to watch a lot back then, where they would eat gross versions of food. Now, this show was known for, like, they would be like, will it ice cream? And they would make ice cream out of, like, crayons or ice cream out of, like, pizza dough or stuff like that. And they'd eat it and they'd throw up and we'd laugh. And we loved it. We watched this all the time. So we said, let's do that ourselves. And we did. And the first year we did Oreos and we did, we've done pastaroni and we've done, uh, what else did we do? Smoothies. You made smoothies for me last year. So we've done it every single year. So this year was no exception. This year was actually the first year in my new place. It was the first year, you know, post the great split of 2020. So we got a chance to really go all out. I really went all out with this thing. And um, yeah, this year we did Willet pasta and I made pasta from scratch. More on that in a second. But before anything, I want to tell you guys what I did because this is how it relates to parenting. It's a cute story. And when people hear that, they go, you really do? I go, yeah. They go, oh, 
we put it, you know, we videotape it, we save the video, we would share it with people just so they could see. I don't really post it online. I don't, I don't put it out there. I know that she's, you know, entering the teen years. So everything's kind of embarrassing. So I don't want to embarrass her like that. But yeah, we really, we make a big deal out of it. But this year I just prepared for it. I was excited. And I'm telling, we're going to do this and we're going to get, you know, ingredients and it's going to be gross and we're going to record it and it's going to be great. And then it kind of occurred to me, she is, you know, 13. Maybe she doesn't want to do this anymore. And I gave her that option. And I sent her a text. I said, listen, she was at school and this popped into my head. And I kind of knew it was one of those things that if I did face to face, sometimes kids feel a little, and I was intimidated, but you know, sometimes they don't want to hurt your feelings and want to say things to you. So I texted her. I said, look, I love doing this Easter thing. I do understand, though, that you're getting older. Maybe you don't want to still do the whole eating gross things, you know, gimmick. If you don't like that, we could do something else. We could just have a nice dinner. We could watch TV. You tell me. You won't offend me if you don't want to do it. You let me know. And she texted me back, said, I want to do it. I said, okay. And that's all I needed. But it's important. I think sometimes as parents, we forget. Because in my head, she's five years old. And she'll always be five years old. I feel like she could be you know, 50 and she'll be five years old to me because I'll be at that point, I'll still be so old that she'll look little. So I have to remember that I forget. She's like a person. She's not necessarily going to just go wherever I tell her to go. It's not like a little kid. You're like, we're going to the library. And like, okay. And then they're at the library. No, they're older. They tell you where they want to go, what they want to do or things that are lame or things that aren't cool. They know things, you know? I remember the first time I said something, something to her. It was like, uh, it was a word sarcastic or some word that was not that big of a deal. Let's just say it's sarcastic. And I was like, oh, it's sarcastic. You know, that's like when, when you're not, you don't really mean what you're saying and you kind of say it to mock somebody. And she looked at me, this was a couple of years ago, and she goes, I know what sarcastic means. And I'm like, sorry. But in my head, she doesn't know anything, you know, when, in those moments because I'm so used to when she was a toddler. And I literally taught her the world, I taught her everything. When she was little. We used to drive down the street when she was first learning to talk. It was my favorite thing because. My daughter, when she was first putting together words and sentences, I don't know, man, it was the cutest television kind of baby voice, you know, that you would imagine from a, from a piece of entertainment where the baby's supposed to be cute. And I would say things and she would repeat it. And we would drive down the street and I would look out the window and I would yell things out that were outside the window and she would repeat it. So I'd go, car, car, and I'd go, school bus, school bus. And like, and that would be all this stuff, like side street, high street. It was the cutest cutest thing and in my head sometimes we're still there you know and then i'll see a picture of a little kid or i'll go to like freaking coles or something and i walk around and there's a, a parent with a with a three-year-old and the kid's like you know we gonna go have pizza and i'm like oh she's not, she's not that anymore and she's not that anymore you know lucas isn't even that anymore my son he's 10 so things change so it's important to remember that a lot of the things that we as parents love things that maybe we introduced our kids to when they were little it's important to make sure they're still on board. You don't want to force anyone to have fun. You know, it's kind of, at least, at least for yourself. So we did. We did Willet this year. We did Novister. We did Willet Pasta. And this year was, ugh. This was the most uh, inventive year, imaginative year, daring year of Willet we've ever done. And the reason why was this year I bought a pasta maker. And I said, I'm going to make pasta from scratch. I'm going to make the dough and I'm going to roll it and I'm going to do it. But then like an idiot, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to open this pasta maker until it's time for Novister. 
So, like a putz, I left it in the cabinet. Never even opened it. And then, lo and behold, no beaster came. Last night, I'm up. I'm making pasta dough. And I'm, they all were normal. What I decided to do was I made them all regular dough, with the exception of one that I put like chocolate and Nutella in. But the rest of them, I made regular. And then I figured as I made the recipe, I would mix the ingredients in, right? So the next day, no Easter, the morning of, I took out my dough and I took out the pasta maker. I put it together and I clamped it to the counter and all that other stuff. And it was terrible. Oh my God, it was the worst, <laughs> it was the worst experience. It was awful. The first one was Takis, right? That, I, I'll ruin them one by one of the things that I made. So one of them was uh, pasta made with uh, spicy Takis, you know, the chips that are, that are spicy, um, hot sauce. And Cajun seasoning. It was like a hot pasta. So I start putting it through, and immediately like, it's all crunching and falling apart. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I took the whole machine, threw it in the box. I went on Amazon, return, not working. You know, and that's it. Now I got to go back to freaking Kohl's, return the Amazon. So I made it by hand. I took my dough, took a knife, and I cut the pasta down one by one. So the first one, again, was the Takis with the, the hot sauce and all the hot stuff in it. Uh, I made one that was chocolate, the chocolate Nutella, uh, there were chocolate chips and chocolate sauce, and it was a whole chocolatey, you know, world of pasta. So I mean, that was another one. Pineapple. Pineapple was the one that seemed to be the most normal. It was pineapple juice. But then what I ended up doing, I felt it was too normal when I did eventually taste it. So I took actual pineapple and I mixed it with Parmesan cheese and I made this like slurry kind of a sauce. It was terrible. It was the worst sauce you can make so i made that uh, then i had ravioli that did not come out well i stuffed them with tuna and i fried them so i made fried raviolis with tuna inside uh, and then they coup de gras my favorite and the, the most imaginative one i did i made gnocchi right with a g gnocchi but what i did was i mixed the dough with you know those mios those little uh syrups that you squirt into bottled water i had watermelon strawberry so I squirted that into the dough and I made the dough pink. And then I took the dough and I cut it up and I wrapped each one around a trolley candy corn. You know what trolleys are? Trolleys are those um, kind of those sour gummies that you buy. They made candy corns. We bought them. Nobody ate them. Everyone hated them. So I saved them. And I wrapped each one around the candy corn, cooked the gnocchi, and then I took all the sour sugar bits and I sprinkled them all over the gnocchi. And we, we had that. And it was an experience because this year was the first year where everything was gross. Even the things that weren't supposed to be gross were gross, but it ended up being truly a memorable thing. It was something that we loved doing and something I look forward to every single year. And even though I look forward to it, and even though we had fun doing it this year, I'm fully well aware that if next year she's not on board, we don't do it. You know, And I think that's the, that's the idea with these things. I think sometimes... We as parents, we come up with these ideas that are fun. You know, and again, I'm crazy with weird traditions. I have weird traditions at Christmas. I have weird traditions at, you know, Veterans Day. I'm the only, I'm probably the only guy in the world who in my divorce agreement, I have Veterans Day as a day that I have the kids in the agreement. So <laughs> that's how weird I get with some holidays. So I set that up. I have all the holidays ready to go. But they all were invented for us as a family, for me and my kids to enjoy doing. 
the three of us. And we've always done it. It's always been the three of us doing these things, doing the Willet, uh, doing the Santa at Christmas. These have always been holidays, even before I moved out, before the separation, divorce. It was just me and them doing it. So it's always been our tradition, the three of us. But that's important, and it's important to mention the three of us, because I think sometimes as parents, we get so caught up in this that when your kid doesn't want to do it anymore, you're like, come on, this is fun. Why don't you want to do it? It's our family thing. Come on. Next thing you know, you become the lame parent. You become the one that they kind of like appease. I don't want to be appeased. You know, as my daughter grows, I want to grow with her. So if this, at some point she grows, I don't know how she'll grow out of this, because this is truly like a fun thing to do, even for, you know, I've always tried to do things that weren't necessarily kid-like, but let's say Santa Claus, you know, you guys know on Christmas, she had always fought Santa Claus, which is Santa's twin brother from the South Pole. He comes with a present. She beats him up. She wins a present. It's been a long-standing game. We do it on Christmas Eve. It's fantastic. Uh, Santa Claus looks like me um, a lot, and they fight, but I've also given her that option. Every year I give her that option. I'm like, you know, we don't have to do this anymore, like interact with Santa Claus, maybe not even fighting, but like, you know, playing game, whatever she has to do to beat him. I'm like, we don't have to do it. You don't have to do a Santa Claus thing unless you want to. Because one day, those things aren't going to be the things that we do anymore. We're going to have to create new traditions. And I think it's important for me as a parent to remember that and to respect her and what she wants to do and to make sure it remains fun. I mean, we created these things that's supposed to be fun for all of us. So I want it to continue to be fun for all of us, even as we get older. And that's important. But I'm glad to say we have not yet reached that point, especially for Novester. It was a good Novester. 2021 is in the books. It was disgusting. Every pasta was gross. And uh, and yeah, we came out the other side. So that's exciting. But yeah, it's important. It's important to do these things with your kids. It's important to always remember how old they are because in the end, we remember how old we are, right? Like, I don't know. You want to feel old? In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. All right, let's talk about feeling old, because I think all of us can relate to feeling old. I feel old. I talked about it last week. I said that you people made me feel old. I look at you. We're the same age. A lot of like people I went to school with and people that I knew back in the day, I see pictures of them. I go, that dude looks old. He's my age, and now I feel really old. This is similar to that. And I'll give you an example of when I felt this particular aspect of it. I was watching Big Brother. It was the Big Brother. You guys can hear Lucas in the background <laughs> singing in the back. Um, I was watching Big Brother. It was the all-star season two years ago. It was the worst season they've ever had. It was terrible. And there was this guy who I had watched on one of the previous seasons. His name was uh, Memphis. Memphis was his name. Memphis was the resident old guy in the house. And all, re- all Memphis did was complain about how his back hurts. He would grumble. They called him like grandpa. They called him all these old names. And I'm like, oh, Memphis, so old. And we're laughing. And then some, at some point, somebody said something to him. It was like his birthday. And he's like, oh, 37. And I was like, hold the effing door. This dude's 37 years. I'm older than Memphis. That makes me feel old. When people reference an age earlier than me, younger than me, as old. I'm like, what the hell? You watch some of these old, like, you know, uh, Friars Club roasts and the Comedy Central roast of, you know, Donald Trump or whatever. And Pete Davidson came out there, right? And he's doing his little, his little stand-up, you know, roasting act. And he's like, wow, Ludacris and Snoop Dogg are here. If I was 38, I'd be freaking out. 
And that hit me twice. It hit me because I am beyond 38, but also because I thought they were still famous too. So, so I don't know anything, man. It's easy to feel old and it happens and we all deal with it and we all go through it. But yeah, I think that's the craziest thing. When, when things that happened after you would have experienced them become nostalgia, Tamagotchis, everyone's like, remember Tamagotchis? I'm like, not really. I was like, I just got into college for Tamagotchis or whatever. I was like, well, like 19, I wasn't playing with like little computerized pets. That's for other kids. Power Rangers, I remember, kind of came out at the end. I remember the Spice Girls came out right after I graduated from high school. The Spice Girls are a thousand years old and I didn't even experience them in high school. For me, it was Ace of Base. We don't even talk about Ace of Base anymore. Everyone's like, were they white supremacists? I don't know. Maybe they were. That's all anybody ever says about Ace of Base. Nobody sings it anymore. If you sing an Ace of Base song, it's like a joke. It's like you referencing the 90s. I saw the sign and, you know, all that she wants. I remember when it was considered topical. Like there was an edition of, uh, this is how old it is, man. South Park had done a show about a guy who was trapped in the ice and they, they thawed him out. It was like kind of this dude who, the whole joke was supposed to be almost like these cavemen that they thaw out, except that the guy was from 1996. But this episode aired in 1998, right? So the whole joke was supposed to be that it was so recent, but we were pretending like he, like he was so from so long ago. So in order not to freak the guy out, they decided to recreate his environment, right? In 1998. So they got him flannel shirts. They had like Ace of Bass playing in this little room that he sat in. And the whole scene was supposed to be so comical because it was supposed to be so topical. But if you watch it now, you're like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> like it changed the entire, the entire scene changed. Because back then it was supposed to be a joke. Like, oh, look, this is what things are like now. And now you look at it and it's like, no, that was, that was 20 years ago. It's 30 years ago. It's the stuff that I remember, you know, as being something that just happened. Now I run into other people my age who are like this. I'll talk to friends of mine and I'll, I'll mention something. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, the Backstreet Boys or whatever. You say that to somebody and they're like, well, they're not famous anymore? No, they're not famous anymore. It's shocking. It's really shocking. Rappers and stars and TV stars and just, yeah. So that's what makes me feel old when the people who are younger than me start to become old. And that, I think, is like that, that next hump. You know, you go to that point where you feel old and then you feel like everyone in your age group is old. And then the younger brothers and sisters of your friends from high school, they're now old. And you're like, what the hell's going on? So yeah, feel old, take it, ingest it, feel it. You're old. We all are. James Gunn posted some new stuff. Fun day, free time to Let's talk about the blog this week. As you guys know, highblogomdad.com features two posts for me every single week. Monday, Wednesday. I've been doing this since 2017. Love doing it. Love writing about my son, writing about my family. This week, I wrote twice, uh, kind of about autism and about how it's affected my life and how it's affected our lives. And the first one was called My Son's Autism Diagnosis Came with Important Words. Again, highblogomdad.com. That was the Monday post. The important words, and this was something that, you know, I kind of struggled with how to word it, but it was important to me because it was really a loaded statement. And it's something that anybody who's dealt with a diagnosis has heard. And the answer was, every time I asked what he could do, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? They would say to me, anything can happen. 
I was always told that. And it used to annoy me at first because it's like, I know, I know anything can happen. I'm here. My son has autism. I get it. Like, I understand the anything can happen. And I would get angry. I thought it was a non-answer. I thought it was like non-committal. I thought it was almost patronizing in a way. Like anything, I know anything can happen. Thank you. And it would kind of drive me crazy because I wanted answers. I wanted to know exactly like what the future was going to be. So at first I started to take that statement and I started to attribute it to him doing anything. Like one day walking into his room and having him just talk. Hey daddy, what's up? Like, Holy crap, you talk? Yeah, I talk all the time. That's what I thought anything could happen meant in the very beginning. I got excited about it. I started to create these unrealistic expectations of whether or not he would someday not be nonverbal and just be talking up a storm. So there was that. There was the idea that it was like just them brushing me off. Yeah, dude, anything can happen. Good, way to go. You know, and I almost felt annoyed because I would always say to myself, I'm going through this experience of worry and anxiety and my kid might have this struggle in life and these people will come here and talk about him and then leave and go home. And it made me so mad. It almost felt like they were just kind of like brushing, like, yeah, anything can happen, dude, later. And they leave. I hated it. That really bothered me. But in the end, I got it. And I feel like today I get it. A lot of things about my son, I went from not understanding at all to kind of understanding better. And I say kind of because I know that there's always room for growth. There's always room for, you know, evolving your understanding. And I go back and I read some of my old stuff and I feel like, you know, oh, I got it then, but now I really get it. And I'm sure like two years from now, I'll be reading stuff that I wrote now and be like, oh, I didn't fully get it yet. What I get now is that anything can happen means that we don't know what his full potential is. It could be anything. You know, his his ceiling might be that, you know, he will be able to bag groceries at a supermarket. His potential might be that he's able to be the, the CEO of a company. We don't know what that anything is, and it's my job to figure it out. And it's my job to work with him to reach his maximum potential. That's the whole point. It's not about making sure he does this or does that or A, B, and C. It's about making sure that if he has the ability inside of him to do A, B, and C, I help him reach that level where he could find out if he could do you know, A, B, and C. I keep harping on the alphabet, but you guys know what I'm saying. It's my job. That's the anything. Anything can happen doesn't mean that a miracle happens. I mean, it could, but it's not about miracles and it's not about, you know, just pushing you aside. It's not about just feeling good and moving forward. It's a true statement. Anything that can happen with my son will only happen if I help him do it. That's what I do. So that was, that was Monday. And I want parents, one of the reasons I write this is I know parents go through a lot of those things that I went through, especially early on. And I like to write in a way where if you're going through it and you read this and you come across it, you say to yourself, oh, all right, thank you. I, that helps. I want to help people you know, get through this because I remember dealing with it myself. And I wrote about that on Wednesday a little bit, about dealing with it and about the evolution and the crossing over idea. The one on Wednesday was a, an important story for me. It was called The First Time We Celebrated My Son's Autism. And this one I talked about my experience with Autism Speaks, which I know everyone has different opinions on Autism Speaks. I've written for them. I've written for their blogs. I'm a big fan of Autism Speaks. And one of the reasons why was for his youth, my son was someone that we managed. You know, we were worried. When's he going to talk? When's he going to do this? We were writing things down, trying to teach him this, trying to teach him that. It was all about fixing the autism fixing, and I say autism, but it's, it's such a catch-all 
just fixing his special needs, fixing his challenges, making him not who he was because he wasn't that person yet. He was a baby. You know, he was learning, he was growing. 2016 was the Autism Speaks walk, and it was the first time that my son was celebrated for having autism. Me, my daughter, and him, the three of us, we made t-shirts. It said, walk for Lucas. It looked like, you know, vote for Pedro. And we went to Jones Beach here on Long Island, and we did this walk, and he was in his wagon, and there's a Care Bear and a Stormtrooper, and it was all about really celebrating him. And that day changed everything for us. And within months, that, that was October of 2016, then I started this blog in February of 2017. I had never written about him. I had been dealing with, you know, writing about wrestling and pop culture for years. And it allowed me then to reach out to people and tell them about my son. And that, to me, was one of the greatest moments kind of of my life. And I haven't talked about this before, but my first two books uh, were about wrestling, 20, 2006, 2009, they came out, right? The first book I dedicated to my, my friend, Chris, who had passed away in 2004. One of my best friends, we both you know, loved wrestling. So that was the first one. Second book I dedicated to my daughter, right? Who was the only kid I had at the time, it was 2009. My son was born in 2011, and I always used to say to myself, oh man, I knew I was gonna write another wrestling book. I was done with wrestling. I didn't really like doing it anymore. But I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't have another path. So I was worried that he would never get a dedication. And this blog, you know, eventually I came out with my third book years later, but that blog to me was my dedication to Lucas. I got to write about him. I got to share him with the world. And this kid who for years we really didn't talk all that much about, people would say, how's Lucas? He okay? Like that kind of a thing. It was almost like, oh, feeling bad for me. That kind of a thing. Feeling bad. You know, is he all right? Does he talk yet? Oh, like that kind of a thing. I didn't like that. I didn't like treating him like that. I didn't like talking about him like that. And that walk for Autism Speaks, this blog, this podcast is my ability to share him with all of you. And it means everything to me. So that's what I wrote about on Wednesday. Please read that. If you are somebody who's struggling with these moments, um, and both of them, the first Monday and Wednesday of this week, I dealt both with that transition from, from worry and from concern and from you know isolation and just feeling like the only person in the world going through this to the feeling that you get when you eventually say, hey, look, this is my life, and I love this person, and I want to present the best person he is to the world. And hopefully I've done that. That's been my goal of doing this, this blog and podcast, and I hope you guys have liked it because it's, meant, it's really meant the world to me. So thank you. It's provided me with happiness, joy, and most important, just transitioning, sanity. iPod. This is your moment of sanity. Something off the beaten path, something as it relates to me as a parent or something that I've experienced in my time. And one of the problems with the moment of sanity, uh, and even with the blog sometimes, is that I don't know what I've told you people already. I feel like I've told you everything. And I go back and I try to remember a story and I'm like, I've told that story. And then I'm like, have I told it here? Did I just tell it to some random person? I don't know. So I'm going to tell you this. If I told you it already, just bear with me. I don't remember it if I've told you. If I did, it's so buried in the past, but it was uh, one of my favorite stories of the time. I had gone to the park with my daughter and my son. This was 2016, 2017, a couple of years ago. My daughter was little, seven, eight years old. And 
we're at the park, and this park is in uh, Long Island, but it was it's a nice park. You you walk to it. There's a long path to walk to, and then there's multiple little playground areas. There's a dog park. If you go all the way down, there's like a water slide and all this stuff. But it's big. You can go anywhere you want. So we settle on this one little like playground area, and of course that's where everybody else settles on the same playground area. And we're going around. Lucas is playing, and my daughter's playing, and we're just kind of you know maneuvering. And there's a kid, a little kid, following us around. Now, if you've ever been to a park, you know what I'm talking about because people deal with this all the time. You get a kid, their parents don't give a rat's ass. They'll let them, you know, go home with you. So you turn around, you got this like, you know, four-year-old, five-year-old just following around, like not even talking to you. That's what makes it really weird. If they walked over you and were like, hey, mister, can you push me on the swing? I'd be like, no, you're weird. But you can't do that because they don't say anything to you. They just kind of like follow you and look at you. And you stop, you look down, you're like, why are you looking at me? You little freak. This kid was following us around. And for some reason was screaming mega, right? So he would like jump to the top of the, the, the slide. Here we go, mega slide. And he would slide down and then he would look at us like we did something. We're just kind of like, like, what the hell does this have to do with me? Why is this kid so fixated on us? Now keep in mind too, we weren't the only ones there with the little kid. It was us, little kid, and there was other people. But he's following us around this whole thing. Mega, mega swing set. Mega sand. It was nuts. It was all over the place. And I'm processing it. And I'm watching this kid. I'm like, this kid is so freaking weird. This kid is so weird. And then all of a sudden, I look over and my daughter is standing in front of him with like her hands on her hips. And she looks at him and she goes, Hey, kid, why you keep saying mega? And he was like, oh. and I was like, oh. I didn't answer. And I just walked away. And that was, <laughs> that's really the end of the story. But I thought about that for so long. You remember something happened where it's like, it's funny because that was really funny, but it was also like, how it reminds you of like who kids are and how they interact with each other. That stayed with me for a while because I always think about that, about how often in life, like, I don't know, we, as adults, we deal with people who just do weird things, you know, people who think weird things and say weird things and they're, you know, just bizarre in how they interact with you. I've dealt with some really bizarre grownups some weird people that just make up stories and tell you the stories like it's real. And you're like, that's not, that's it now. You're like, yeah, well, you know, when I was in Vietnam and it's like, dude, you are 35 years old. You weren't in Vietnam. So like you go through these crazy things that just don't match up. You know, I've had friends, you know, they pretended they met celebrities. I knew a girl right on social media. And I could tell you the story because I don't know it directly from her, but she had a kid. And she posted funny things about her kid all the time on Facebook. And I talked to a friend of mine and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, are you friends with, I don't know, Mary Ellen, let's call her. And she goes, oh yeah, I don't believe anything she posts. I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I told her, I was like, I was like, hey, Mary Ellen, it's really cute. You wrote about what, you know, Timmy did on Facebook. And she goes, oh no, he didn't really do that. I just wanted to post something. And I thought that sounded funny. And I was like, that didn't happen. She's like, no, people are nuts. People are crazy. But we have become... So, and what's funny too is to just really point it out because so my whole point is that kids will confront people who are weird while adults won't. Proof positive of that is that the girl who told me the story about Mary Ellen telling her that she made up the Facebook post never called her out on it. She wasn't like, wait a minute, what the F is wrong with you? Like she didn't say that. She was just like, oh, that's nice. You made it up? Okay. And that was it. And we walk away and we do that all the time. But, you know, leave it to a seven-year-old. Dude, why you keep saying mega? The lesson there, too, is that you might not always get an answer, but eh, at least you asked. You got it off your chest. You get it out of your system. 
and it doesn't drive you crazy. So uh, mega podcast, guys. I appreciate you listening this week. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to support, share this, tell people about it. And of course, follow us on Facebook, Hi Pod, I'm Dad. If you do that, you can listen to these podcasts right through Facebook. You can listen to it wherever podcasts are posted. You can follow me on all social media at Hi James Gutman. Uh, you could do whatever you want, man. Come on. It's 2021. We're young. Rock and roll. <laughs> that does it for me. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, Pod. I'm Dad.